Let us worship God. reading from the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter, beginning with the seventh verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning that your fresh word might fall upon us this day. Amen. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give 
will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
Hello, friends. It is nice to be back here. Hard to believe it's been 33 years, but it has many changes. To continue the reading from John's Gospel, Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. For you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers who will worship God in spirit and in truth, for the Holy One Seek such as these to worship God. God is spirit, and those who worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Just then, his disciples came. And they were astonished that he was speaking to a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? And then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. And she said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? And they left the city and were on their way to him. So here is a story about a woman whose name we do not know. Jesus even calls her woman. But the story discloses many truths, and it has been mined for probably thousands of sermons, most of them focusing on Jesus. I've preached some of those myself. But in my Later years, I have often asked people and myself, as I ask you now, when you look around you at God's world, what breaks your heart the most? This is the way that God calls us into action. For me, for quite a long time, this heartbreak is the centuries-long and worldwide exploitation and degradation of women. So mostly I'm going to tell stories. And I want you to understand that this is not meant to be sexist. All the stories are about women. And it certainly does not mean to romanticize poverty. So don't go there. I was drawn to focus not on Jesus, but on the woman. She led me then to reflect 
on others that I have known. I like this woman. I really do. We can surmise that life has been very hard for her. She has lived with five different men. Flo Kennedy, an African-American attorney and a founder of the modern uh, American feminist movement, in the 1970s famously said, most women are one man away from welfare. If that is the case in the United States, then friends, it is still far too true for far too many. What would it have been like to be a woman without a man in the village in Samaria? Perhaps this woman had never married. We don't know why, maybe there weren't enough men in her village. Maybe there was something about her that made her um, less desirable than other women, or maybe she had been married and she could not bear children, and that meant, of course, that she was useless in that, uh, in that environment, in that culture at that time. Or maybe she had been married and her husband had run off with some other woman, or he had just abandoned his family. We don't know. All of these things still happen. But whatever, by the time she met Jesus, she was used goods. We do know that a woman without a man was completely vulnerable in that time and in that place. Women did not speak to men and vice versa out in public, especially strangers. And a woman's word had no legal weight. It didn't matter, her testimony was nothing. Perhaps the woman had lived with and, and, and submitted to a succession of husbands in order not to be homeless, because a homeless woman is prey to all the predators who are out there. And of course, if she had children, a mother will do what she must in order to ensure that her children have food and water. Take a look at this woman. I like her. In my 41 years in the Tenderloin, 18 of them also working with the Safe House for Homeless Women Escaping Sex Trafficking and Prostitution, I got to know many women like this one who has no name. The difference is I got to know their names. These are women who may have found it better to live with some man they did not love, perhaps even an abusive man, rather than risk being prey for all the predators who are out there. And some of those predators masquerade as respectable members of society. When we think of sex trafficked women, we think of women coming in from some other country, maybe Thailand, maybe Mexico, who knows? But the fact is that 83% of sex trafficked women in this country are American citizens. The Samaritan woman and women today who have been treated harshly by life nevertheless find ways to survive. They may be scorned, 
by most of society. Examine yourself. Do you have a prejudice against prostituted women? We have been brought up to scorn them. We don't know their, their stories, most of us. But in spite of what this woman had in the scripture had suffered, like the women we encounter today, she had an unbroken spirit. Imagine her responding to Jesus. Well, who are you? You come into our village, and we know that the Jews look down on the Samaritans. You think we don't know anything. You don't even deign to speak to us unless you need something like you do today because, ha-ha, I've got the bucket and you don't. You know, sometimes I say things that are kind of funny and it's okay to laugh in church. So. <laughs> well, she says, la-di-da. Well, and this woman had some historical and some theological education. Even though women were not educated in either their history or theology at that time. How did that happen? This was a smart woman. She had probably eavesdropped on the men when she was serving them. And in this way, she gained knowledge of history and of theology. And now she engaged in a, in a debate with this stranger. I like her. She also had some deep well of spirituality, some deep well of hope. She was looking for the Messiah, the one who might make things better in the world, even for someone like her. She was looking for the one who might bring freedom from oppression. She still had a heart that was open. It was not hardened like the hearts of some of her betters. There was something about this Jesus that touched that well of living hope in this woman. She reminds me of Ernestine, a woman I knew from the Tenderloin streets. Ernestine was finally living inside, rescued from homelessness, and she lived in a single-room residential hotel to which I had been called to perform a memorial service. She shepherded into the room where we were gathered an elderly blind man she was taking care of. And as we moved into the worship service, she waved her hand and called out, please, Reverend, I need to sing. I need to sing. She struggled to her feet with difficulty, but with dignity, and she was stooped and in pain from arthritis, from scoliosis, and from the beatings she had endured. And, but from those wells of living water, which had been given to her by Jesus, whom she loved deeply, she, her words of an old gospel hymn poured out. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. God's eye is on the sparrow, and I know God watches me. Ernestine exemplified the resilient spirit of women 
who find a way to survive no matter what, and who do not harden their hearts or turn away from the Holy One. We can learn from Ernestine. Another woman who had lived with a succession of men in San Francisco is now one of my dearest and most tr trusted friends. In fact, she now lives with me. She came to Safe House right out of jail. We had to get San Mateo to drop the charges against her so that we could bring her into Safe House. She has now been 15 years clean and sober. She comes and we eat popcorn while we watch basketball games. When she moved in to share my home, she said, you know, we both grew up in the South in church, so you know I want a church that has lively music, and I want a church that preaches love and healing and doesn't preach judgment and wrath. I want a church that cares about social justice. Help me find a church like that. We go to church together now. Somehow through all the suffering that she endured, Tony maintained a deep well of spirituality, a deep well of hope, and something about Jesus tapped into that. When 8,000 students graduated from San Francisco State, Tony was one of six students singled out for special honor because of her achievements. One out of six among 8,000. We took this woman right out of jail and she turned her life around. She went on to earn a master's degree and now she is the director of Safe House. And she has established an outreach center in the Tenderloin where the women can come off the street and there is group therapy and there is a resident therapist and, or she can get legal services or she can get help finding housing. Tony, who was sunk into drugs and prostitution and, and homelessness, has expanded the vision of Safe House far beyond the vision that the founder had. When the task force was formed by the city to think about, imagine this, we had to have a task force to think about it, to think about what might be done with homeless, prostituted women other than putting them in jail, Tony was appointed to this task force and she said, isn't this wonderful? I have been in every jail in the Bay Area, and now I'm making policy. <laughs> yeah. The women who are placed into safe housing through the Tenderloin Center can still access all of the services which are offered in the center. Anne came to Safe House. After years of abuse and trauma and homelessness, I don't know why Anne ended up on the street, but I think she got into drugs in high school. 
At her graduation, and we make a big deal out of this, at her graduation, a childhood friend of hers came to celebrate with Anne, and she spoke of Anne's dark times. Today, Anne is a community organizer. She is an expert leader for environmental justice. She is demanding and leading people to demand the cleanup of toxic waste in black and brown communities, especially the Hunter's Point shipyard. Her mother worked in the shipyards and she died because of the toxic metals that absorbed into her, that her body absorbed. And when Anne started into this work, she was tested and found all of those metals are also in her body. And she is reminding us that as the sea level rises, we must think about the black and brown communities and we must, we must address climate warming because the toxic waste that are still there are being brought to the surface. Did you know that? I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't known Anne. When she endorsed a candidate for elected office, he stated, I am so proud to have the support of such a highly respected community leader. Anne says, I did not think I would even be alive today. God has preserved me for this work. When Betty came, her main goal was to regain her nurse's license. It had been taken from her after she led the police uh, on a 90 mile an hour drunken chase. The, she was drunk, the police weren't. <laughs> and thankfully her car ran out of gas. She plowed through the, a very long and expensive process that the nurse's licensing board sets up in order for a nurse to regain her license. And she triumphed. She took a job cleaning an Embarcadero fancy uh, spa place in order to pay for and to, to gain her time to make her way through that process. For years now, Betty has performed outreach work to homeless people in Alameda. She crosses railroad tracks. She goes into homeless encampments. She goes into scruffy hotels where some are in order to see that they stay compliant with their medications. And she brings needed injections to some of the people there. She talks about them as my patients. She wears hospital scrubs so, so that she can be identified. And she tells of a man stepping in front of her not too long after she started this work and telling her, you don't see us, but we see you. We know what you're doing. Don't worry about your safety or your car. And she says, by the time I could breathe again, <laughs> he was gone. Like Annie, Betty says, God called me to be a nurse. God called me to heal people. I have to do it. The resilient spirit of so many the resilient spirit of women can be seen in Ernestine, in Tony, in Annie, in Betty, 
and the unnamed woman of Samaria. They were knocked down and kicked around, but their spirits were not broken. They did not harden their hearts, nor did they turn from Jesus, even in the face of injustice and suffering. They dare, even today, to go to people who may still treat them with contempt and to try to bring those people to Jesus. These are women who have become apostles of hope, redemption, and love. Let their stories inspire us to become the same.
as we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God.
Let us pray. Holy One, you have fed us in word, in silence, in song, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. Ask yourself what breaks your heart the most, and then let that Reveal your calling. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen.